Kurana and welcome to the World in Sport from RNZ Pacific. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, progress made on a new international rugby league calendar. A new initiative is launched using rugby to prevent violence against women and girls. And the Fiji International reaches a dramatic conclusion. But first, the international careers of Papua New Guinea cricketers Mahuru Dai and Jack Vare appear to be over after they were axed from the team to compete in the World T20 East Asia Pacific qualifier later this month. Stephen Eno is the only new cap in the 14-man Barramundi's squad, which also marks the return of fast bowler Nociana Pokana, after ICC tests found his action is now legal. Head coach Joe Dawes says it's now time for Cricket PNG to look to the future. We've gone with a younger squad, so we've left out two senior players in Maru Dai and Jack Vare, who have both been long-time servants of Cricket PNG, and we've brought in Stephen Eno from outside of our squad to be his first games, first opportunity to be part of our squad. So we've had two tournaments now in Dubai late last year and Zimbabwe earlier on in the year where the senior players didn't get the job done, of course, and now entering into a new four-year cycle of the ICC. We've decided to back our younger players and give them time to develop. And unfortunately, those two players, whose numbers weren't up to scratch, have missed out. Jack, of course, is a, is a former captain as well, so... Um... I suppose you do have quite a experienced squad, don't you, that's been together for quite a long time. So um, how, how do you feel they'll respond to, to change in that way? Uh, mate, I think they're really excited about it. I know I am. The boys are excited about the group that we've got moving forward. They've had a really tough five months of a pre-season working into this tournament. They've got themselves a lot fitter, a lot stronger and uh, in better shape and really looking forward to getting out and, and playing some cricket. Just give me a few words on uh, on the new cap that you have selected and what it was that impressed you about him and uh, what you're hoping from him. Yeah, well, Steve Erno's come in from outside of our squad, as I said, and he's someone that's had a very good uh, start to the, or the club season so far, had a good start for the Hebrew Shield and then unfortunately injured himself uh, and didn't finish as well as he would have liked, but it was tough after missing a week of cricket. But really excited to see what he brings to the group from a personal point of view and also... As a player, he, he comes in and he goes hard, which is what we want in T20 cricket. So excited to have him and also just really excited to give some of these young guys a chance and having CJ Amini come in and just come off the back of a fantastic Hebrew shield and he's, he was being named our vice-captain. And also Jason Killer with no die-out. The opportunity for them to be our number our number one spinners, frontline spinners, gives us uh, you know opportunity to have a look at someone else and, and they're good people and they fit in really well with the group, so I'm looking forward to it. And, and is there still an opportunity for Jack Barre and Mahura Dai to, to force their way back in at some point in the future? You know, we're going to back these young guys now. And uh, as you said earlier, we don't have a world cricket between now and the end of the year. But we made a commitment in Zimbabwe to look towards the future. And with these guys, we're going to back these youngsters. So never say never, but we're definitely going to give these young group every opportunity to prove themselves at this level. And um, Joe, um, and what about uh, Nasana Pakana? Is he in the team? Uh, big Noss, yeah, Noss is in the team, which I'm excited about to have the big left-hander back. He, his action got cleared about a month ago. So we're very confident in the, um, in the work we put in and the work he put in to get it right. And Yeah, his uh, action's well underneath the legal limits now. And looking forward to unleashing the big left-hander.
taken a lot of wickets in, in the club competition, taken wickets in the in Hebrew Shield, which just finished on Sunday. As the big left armour, finally did pace pitching up and swinging the new ball. And we were lucky enough to have Mitch Stark up here a couple of months ago for dinner and, and Big Noss was hanging off him like a shadow for the weekend, just asking questions and talking to him. So, yeah, the big guy's going really well. He's worked really hard on his fitness. He's lost about nine kilos, getting himself into really good shape and bowling well and with good pace. So we're looking forward to unleashing him in this tournament. And so when you have tournaments and tours in November and February and, and here we are now in, in August looking ahead uh, to the end of the month, um, that, that challenge of um, you know, very infrequent international match play, how do you, how do you try and combat that? Yeah, it's been it's been a tough twelve months or uh, close to you for me with that. But also, to be fair, the, the timing's been good because when I first took the job in February and straight to Zimbabwe, and that you know wasn't successful. So, well, we've had time to go away, have a think about where we're at and what we needed to achieve, and, and put together five months of a really good pre-season, which is something that's quite unusual in international cricket. And with the cycle starting up again next year, we probably won't get that opportunity again. So. Although there hasn't been a lot of cricket, I think it helped us achieve what we wanted to achieve as a and, um, as a squad. And I'm looking forward to the tournament to play some. And uh, Joe, six months in the job, how have you uh, settled in? How are you now feeling? Doing life up here. Port Moresby and PNG has its challenges, but um, no, I'm really enjoying it. We've got a good crew. You know, in, in all honesty, what I, I'm enjoying the fact that everyone in our organisation wants to work towards making better cricket and helping cricket PNG expand up here. So that's always nice when you've got everyone pulling in the same direction and you know, we've put some pretty good things in place moving forward. And obviously looking forward to getting over to server and getting some matches under your belt. Um, what are you expecting uh, from your uh, East Asia Pacific neighbours when you get over there? We go there with the expectation of doing well and um, that's what we are going with. And having had two tournaments where we haven't been successful, and being a big believer in winning is a habit. I want us to go there and, and play good cricket and win every game just to get get into that habit of winning and setting us up for the second and third legs of this tournament. And, um, you know, as you mentioned earlier about some of the um, the scores not being so great and obviously making a couple of changes in the squad, what's your message to the Barramundi's team as they head to server? No, I've just spoken to them about doing the basics well, but also as I said, they've had five months of really hard work and achieved a lot as a group. And now it's time to go out and enjoy, express themselves and enjoy themselves and play some cricket with the new skills they've learnt and the, the new levels of fitness and stuff they've obtained. And you know, I think they've responded really well. And we're all looking forward to getting out of there and playing some cricket. That's the PNG men's cricket coach, Joe Dawes. The Rugby League International Federation is hopeful a concrete international calendar, including greater opportunities for Pacific teams, is just around the corner. Last month, following calls from Pacific Nations for more test matches against Tier 1 sides, the NRL released a proposed international calendar. The proposal was generally welcomed, although there were some concerns over a lack of consultation. Last week, the International Federation met in Singapore and released their own proposal for international fixtures. The Federation's International Development Manager, Taz Bateri, says momentum and enthusiasm to enhance the game internationally has been created off the back of last year's World Cup and this year's Pacific Test. Everybody's got ideas and being in different hemispheres and different uh, time zones and also competition periods, we've got to find a balance between club football, rep football and what the National Federations can do. So while there's good dialogue at the moment because it's fresh and in everybody's minds, I think there's still a little bit of way to go before we come up with an ideal model of what the rep calendar will look like uh, leading into the current cycle that we're in because we're all heading to 
2021 World Cup, which will be in the UK. So between now and then, we've still got to provide some rep footy that works in with everybody. The initial proposal from the NRL talked about a Oceania Cup, which would involve the likes of New Zealand uh, and also some Pacific teams. And there was also two separate Four Nations tournaments, one that would have Samoa and Tonga involved and one that would have up north Papua New Guinea and Fiji but they don't seem to feature in the uh, release from the International Federation post-Singapore. So uh, that, that talks about a 2019 championship for Pacific nations. So does that mean they're off the table and, and that this is now on the table? Or They're all opportunities that everybody's trying to investigate. I think when you reflect back on how all those events need to happen, there needs to be a commercial model that can fund it and then also probably try and make profit to reinvest in those countries. So I think we're at the early stages with lots of ideas and we've just got to come up with the right model that can justify the outlay but also generate the income that we need to continually press forward with the international game. The feedback I've had from a a few of the Pacific teams is that whilst they do enjoy playing their Pacific neighbours and, of course, the Pacific Test, that next step is what they want. They want to play the Tier 1 countries on a more regular basis and I'm just not sure from looking at this how often that is going to be possible under this proposed schedule. The initial schedule has been something that's been put forward with some reflection and then feedback to come back and I think when everybody's feedback is taken into consideration well I think a working model will then be released where everybody will get a shot at maybe the tier one countries but then everybody will be playing regular international football as well. Rugby league hasn't always had the most structured international calendar so is that what people are working towards? Sure I mean rugby union and even soccer have a, a regular calendar which they've built up over the years And I think probably the week with us was that we had a a couple of senior teams in England, New Zealand and Australia that were far stronger than everybody else. But now we've seen that gap that's been bridged a little bit, therefore providing other incentives for other countries to aim higher and also providing pathways for both players and referees at this level as well. So while everybody's got a strong appetite and and got a lot of energy behind what the calendar should look like, the reviews that's currently been taken is a way of working through everybody's position and then coming up with a a model that'll suit everybody as well. In terms of the 2019 Championship for Pacific Nations, uh, is there sort of some vague concept of how many Pacific teams would be involved? Because a country like the Cook Islands seems to get left out a lot in these scenarios. Yeah, they do, unfortunately, because they're so far away and and it's such a little island and and a small population. However, the, the number of Cook Island players that operate in the professional league not only in, in Australia, but also in uh, England, there's a very strong team that they could put together. We need to find a, 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 an avenue for Cook Islands to be included, as we do for South Africa, who's also a member of our Southern Hemisphere member group of nations. You've got a country of 35 million people and more than a million players that play rugby union. It's someone that's forgotten often as are the Cook Islands. How far away are we, do you think, from getting a finalised calendar? I think the consultation process has started. Input's got to come back from the National Federation. And to add to all that, we've also got a full-time executive from the RLI working for the first time ever with some new staff members and a CEO and a chairman that's fairly active in this area. And it's something that we never had in the past. So adjusting to this new framework of a full-time operation office and marrying up what the calendar could be, something that everybody's trying to work through. That's the Rugby League International Federation's International Development Manager, Taz Bateri. 
A new initiative for the Pacific region plans to use rugby to promote gender equality and prevent violence against women and girls. Oceania Rugby and UN Women Fiji will pilot the new Get Into Rugby Plus Life Skills programme for girls and boys keen to play rugby. Oceania Rugby Sport for Development Programme Manager Adam Thomas says this is just the start. This partnership, especially the main partnership with UN Women, has, has, been the, uh, has been in the pipeline for quite a while. And the reasoning for it is, is being able to use rugby, which is sort of you know, synonymous with uh, the Pacific Islands, especially in Fiji and Samoa, um, to actually implement change um, and change the, the, the norms, um, values that relate to the drivers of violence against women um, at sort of grassroots and community level. But how we want to do that is this new program, well, there's a few, few ways, but the, the flagship program is our new Get Into Rugby Plus program. So it uses the normal sort of Get Into Rugby program that um, last year had 100,000 participants across the Pacific um, as its basis, but it adds these sort of life skills elements to it. Um, these life skills have been developed with, all, with, all that, with input from all our partners. Um, and basically after, after a rugby session, the kids are brought together and a, a deep discussion is facilitated uh, with their coaches. Um, and these coaches, in the life school sessions, talk, you know, they're based on rugby values, but they're linked to the drivers of violence against women, gender equality, life skills, resilience, um, and a whole range of different things. That's the basis, and, and that's how we're going to use sport to actually change the issue. So using the coaches, upskilling the coaches and giving them the tools to... I guess, in part, the values that you talk about is is a big part of it as well. So they're having the rugby sessions and then it's largely on the coaches that will be sort of uh, passing on these messages and values. Yeah, 100%. So the coaches are the real focus of this program. The coaches that we've selected and when they're actually done with all their training, they're going to be some of the highly, the most highly trained coach, uh, rugby coaches in the Pacific. Uh, they're going to have the skills, one, to facilitate these discussions, and they're going to have the, the knowledge and skills to talk about the issues and make that change. But at the same time, they're also going to be really highly skilled rugby coaches, as it is a rugby program. Um, and we believe that, you know, in all the participants they're teaching, there's going to be an equal gender split there. So it's actually going to be able to facilitate the next generation of um, female rugby players across the Pacific as well. The Get Into Rugby program, of course, as you mentioned, is, uh, you know, has been established for a little while and, and Get Into Rugby Plus is a new concept. So um, yep. does, um, does that mean going forward that this is the way or does, is, is there still a place for the original Get Into Rugby as well? The normal Get Into Rugby program is still going to be run. That's the sort of, you know, the mass participation program that's got a massive reach. Uh, Get Into Rugby uh, Plus is more, it's an enhanced version of that. It's got definitely a, a deeper focus um, and it makes more of an impact on the children's lives. Uh, but at the moment, it's still in pilot. Look, all, like in the next probably 10 years or something like that, we probably want to, we want all the games of rugby to be games of rugby plus. Um, but at the moment, it's running side by side um, and it's just one small pocket of the larger games of rugby program. Because there's so many uh, groups that are involved in delivering this program and, and these messages, how... How did that come about? How do you get so many moving parts working together? I imagine that is somewhat complicated. Yeah, it is. It's, and, it's, and it's been, we've had a partnership development process that's been going on now for about 18 months. So it sort of started with, so Rugby Australia and Oceania Rugby have been partnered with the Australian government through the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade um, who run the Pacific Sports Partnership Program. 
Um, we've been doing that with them now for about six years or so. And they've been, and, and that's been an ongoing partnership that's been changing. Over the last sort of 12 to 18 months, we've also been working with UN women um, who wanted similar outcomes to what the Australian government and Oceania probably wanted. So we've, we've, we've formed the, you know, we've been in discussions and we've trialled the partnership. We had an MOU developed last year and we had a few small uh, Community 7 events. Um, they were a key partner at the Oceania 7th Championship in Suva last year. Uh, to see if we could actually work together. So it's been a slow process, and look, it is difficult, but at the same time, each partner brings something unique to the overall program, um, and it is a transformative partnership. So Oceana Rugby, through the, the knowledge and experience that you and women have, for example, we are changing as, as an organisation to make the organisation itself more gender equal, um, ensure that all our programs uh, have the best impact that they possibly can. So it's, a, it's, it's been fantastic so far. It's a lot of work, but at the same time, it's the outcome to work with. And uh, there's obviously some uh, further research being uh, undertaken as well as part of this whole thing. Again, we're partnering with UN Women, um, and we're doing a research component. So this research basically looks at the correlation between violence um, and sports participation in the Pacific. Uh, sports participation in terms of actually playing, but also attending events um, in the community and, and sort of elite-level events as well, see what relationship there actually is. Again, that research is also co-funded by the Australian government and we're putting together a working group at the moment and we're going to be inviting, we've invited other sports in the Pacific to take place. So hopefully by the end of that, we'll have probably, hopefully have four of the biggest sports in the Pacific um, with rugby and human women uh, working on this research piece with a selected university. It's going to be a, a, quite a big research piece that we hope will influence the program in the future um, and we'll, we'll be incorporating those changes and whatever the findings are into the program to make sure it's the best it can possibly be. That's Adam Thomas from Oceania Rugby. Indian golfer Gakanjit Bulla has edged out a fast-finishing Anthony Quayle to win the 2018 Fiji International by just one shot at the Natandola Bay Championship course. The 30-year-old began the final round a shot clear of the chasing pack and closed with an impressive 6-under par 66 to finish at 14-under par. This is the first time I'm here uh, in Fiji and uh, I've enjoyed every bit of it. Uh, great hospitality, great people. And, um, you know, I think this week was something really special and I could definitely uh, feel it, you know, a victory coming on my way. And uh, lately I've been playing really well. I've been giving myself a lot of uh, good finishes and uh, I think I was just, the momentum was getting ready to win, to, to, win a, to win a big tournament like this. You know, honestly, it could have been anybody's tournament. I mean, Ernie was right up there. Anthony played really, really well. I mean, 9 under on this golf course in this condition, that is something really good. And uh, as I said, you know, uh, Ben Campbell was right up there. Uh, I think it was just uh, maybe golfing gods were on my side this week. And uh, my back end was really, really strong. Actually, the last few few months, I was I was struggling on my Sunday back nine. But, uh, you know, I'm really proud of myself that I this was this was actually to prove it to myself. And I'm glad I did it. And, uh, you know, it's really, really good to be back on the European Tour now. This is my ninth Asian Tour win and uh, first on the European Tour so far. And uh, I think, uh, you know, every win is special. And uh, I do have a feeling that after this, uh, a lot of doors for me will open. Uh, I know I've, I have I have said this before in my, after winning a lot of the Asian Tour events, but I think this is something really special. Now, uh, I think I have to, I have to sit down and work, work on my new schedule from, from next week 
and uh, definitely, you know, this week, uh, this week will we'll definitely be going in the history books for me. That's the Fiji international winner, Gakanjit Bulla, and that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening. Come on.